So for the last few weeks, I've been trying to decide what in particular I could give to you for Christmas. What would be the right thing to give to everyone here at Sacred Heart that would ultimately help and be different from the general gift-giving sort of cycle that we find ourselves in. Because I'll tell you, this is a funny time of year for me in a lot of ways, because I feel like I talk out of both sides of my mouth. And here's my dilemma. So you know what? We had a week and a half ago, we had the Salisbury Holiday Parade. And that was on November the 21st. And don't get me wrong, I love a parade. You know, it's like the music man I think that comes from. I do really enjoy being out there and all that. However, I feel really strange saying Merry Christmas on November 21st. It just doesn't seem right, and especially a full week and a half before Advent even starts. And there's the odd aspect, too, of the way that we give gifts and presents in society today. You know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's, hey, it's time to prepare for the coming of the Prince of Peace. So guess what? Black Friday, no peace. You know, stomp all over your brothers and sisters to save a few bucks. Hooray. You know, and then all of a sudden, it's like we, you know, we go through the anxiety and everything of giving the gifts on Christmas. And then before you know it, it's like they're collecting dust. And then we go through like the whole dance again. Now, I say, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because, as you may remember, because I bring it up every year, I love Christmas stuff, right? I'm excited to watch Christmas Vacation. It will be great. But I'm going to wait until at least kind of close to Christmas. And, you know, I think ultimately it's like, okay, what do I do and give as the pastor of Sacred Heart that is going to last, that's going to be a good thing, that doesn't all of a sudden start to gather dust once we get beyond the Christmas season? And sort of in conjunction, you know, with the church and her infinite wisdom, we have four weeks now of Advent. You know, we don't actually have the Christmas season yet. We have four weeks of preparation. And remember, the tradition of the church is, it's like a twofold preparation. One, for the celebration of the coming of Christ, of his birth in Bethlehem. That first coming, we celebrate that. And Christmas is beautiful. But as the readings this Sunday really point out in a very graphic way, we're also preparing for his coming again to be with Him forever in heaven, to, as we heard at the end, to stand before the Son of Man. And so ultimately, what is the greatest gift, and really what I should be focused on essentially all the time, is to become a saint, to focus on helping all of us, myself included, to become a saint. Let me share with you a quote I read this week. It's from a French novelist whose name was Leon Bloy. He said this, The only real sadness... The only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. And I've started listening to a podcast here recently too. Um, It's a a guy named Patrick Coffin who does the show. It's a really creative title. It's called The Patrick Coffin Show. And the way that he ends all of the episodes is become a saint. What else is there? And I really like that a lot. And I think over these next four weeks, the greatest gift I can give is to really focus on what has the church given us over the years in some really kind of concrete and focused terms to help us with just that, to become a saint. And of course, we have the teachings on virtue. And I'll tell you, I highly recommend, especially, like I said, over these next four weeks of Advent, to open up your catechism 
you don't have a catechism, it's a wonderful stocking stuffer, you know. But also, on the bishop's website, usccb.org, if you go to .com, I'm pretty sure it's a construction company, but usccb.org, they have an interactive catechism. And beginning at paragraph 1803, there's a whole section on virtue. And this is the definition in 1803 of what virtue is. A virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. So ultimately, it's like building a habit of, of the good, of striving to do the good, even to the point that it becomes easy, that it becomes the way that you just naturally move toward. For example, to kind of use an analogy, think about Michael Jordan, right? The guy could dribble like none other, but I guarantee as you watch him, you know, playing beside Scottie Pippen, Michael, and I know, I'm going back, I haven't watched the NBA in years, I apologize. But, you know, as they're going on for the three-peat, we're going to go back to the mid-90s, it's timeless. But as he would dribble, Michael Jordan isn't thinking, okay, hand out, up, down, ball, up, down. You know, that's, that's not what goes through his head. He just, he's Air Jordan. He moves right through it. He can dribble like none other. He's just going around. That's just part of the fundamentals. The virtues are essentially what we want to, we want to get to that point. It's like dribbling for us in some ways so that you can go to this point of great glory, of heroic virtue. Now, there's the theological virtues that are gifts from God that we pray for every time we begin the rosary, for an increase of faith and hope and love. Those are gifts from God that we pray for all the time. But there's also something called the four cardinal virtues, okay? Obviously, we still rely on the grace of God. These are like the human virtues, and they're called cardinal virtues, not like the cardinals in St. Louis, but like the cardinals in Rome, okay? And re remember, the word cardinal comes from the Latin word for hinge, all right? And all the other virtues sort of hinge off of the four cardinal virtues. And I want to ask you, just I'm kind of curious, and by a show of hands, I'm not actually going to make you tell me what they are, but who actually knows what the cardinal virtues are? Does anybody know? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, a couple, so a handful, right? That's good. But here's the funny thing. I mean, these are like the bedrock upon which the moral teaching of the church is built. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what they were till relatively recently in my formation and becoming a priest. And yet, they're so important. And what they are, the four cardinal virtues, are prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And I figure since Advent is four weeks long, we can take the next four weeks to kind of spend a little time with each one of these virtues, to look at what they are and how we might be living them out in our own life. And the one I want to focus on today is the one that's traditionally listed last, fortitude. And that one is defined in the Catechism, paragraph 1808, as this. Fortitude is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. It strengthens the resolve to resist temptations and to overcome obstacles in the moral life. The virtue of fortitude enables one to conquer fear, even fear of death, and to face trials and persecutions. It disposes one even to renounce and sacrifice his life in defense of a just cause. And the, the paragraph closes with this quote from Jesus Himself in the Gospel of John. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
That's a beautiful thing about our faith. Remember, I mean, anybody out there who says, hey, you know, this is all going to be super easy, smooth sailing, no tribulations for you for the rest of your life. Yeah, they're trying to sell you something, right? There's nothing in life that involves no sacrifice, no difficulties. And remember, in our faith, I mean, when you come in and you see the crucifix, it's like we're not just offered a great big hug, we're offered the cross. And our Lord helps us by giving us this virtue of fortitude. And when you think about people you look up to, it's not the ones who just lay down, right, when there's a sacrifice to be made or a challenge to be faced. No, it's the people who stand up to it and move forward. To go back to Michael Jordan, we like him because he defeated the Phoenix Suns. Not just because he was like, oh my gosh, we can't take them. No, we look forward to that strength, that firmness of faith, that constancy. And to know that that's possible. And as we heard, as I said in the readings today, we know that there are tribulations. We know that there are difficulties. We live in a fallen world. But we prepare to celebrate the fact that God didn't abandon us to that, but He gives us the virtues to stand up against it. I want to share with you a little, about, a little bit about one of my more recent heroes that I had an incredible honor and privilege of celebrating her funeral yesterday morning right here at 11 o'clock. And I'm going to read for you the opening line of her obituary. Stefania Rudick, Salisbury, North Carolina resident and survivor of a Nazi Germany prison camp, passed away at home peacefully Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. Think about all that that sentence contains. She was a survivor of a Nazi German prison camp. The 20th century, the bloodiest century in the history of humanity, you know, threw everything they had at goodness, right? The Third Reich, they were supposed to take over everything and tear it all down. Where is it now? Stefania Rudik survived a Nazi German prison camp and died peacefully at home. What? Receiving the Blessed Sacrament constantly over the last several years. Being surrounded by family and friends. Holding on in that firmness and knowing that evil does not overcome. And there's the thing about fortitude. It's knowing in our very bones that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And because of that, no evil that comes our way is ultimately going to be successful. It's staying strong even at the point of great personal sacrifice and knowing that we have an ultimate goal. The war has been won. Christ is in our midst we're called to be firm, to be strong, to be courageous in the face of evil. I encourage you this first week of Advent, maybe take some time to read that paragraph 1808 in the Catechism, to meditate a little bit on fortitude and how you've lived it in your own life. Are you able to be strong in the face of, say, criticism for living out your faith, of actually saying to someone, I believe in Jesus Christ? Even when they throw stuff at you about the church, I get it, I'm upset too. But nevertheless, Christ remains in our midst. He doesn't abandon us. No matter what's going on in Rome, guess what? What's going on in Sacred Heart is Christ is coming to us in the Eucharist to stand up for controversial church teachings. Hey, the church teaches us about contraception because. To actually be able to say, yeah, this is what she teaches. That she teaches man and women are meant, men and women are meant for each other in marriage. To be able to say that, hey, we believe in human dignity, even in the immigrant. All of these different things that are controversial, to have the fortitude to say, yeah, 
I'm willing to stand up for that. And the beautiful thing is, just like looking to Stefania, even in the midst of the greatest of all foes still, to stand up to that and have that firmness, ultimately, to live that virtue, to move on towards becoming a saint, what better gift could there be than that? Because ultimately, living these things out, they're not going to leave us alone and empty at the end and start collecting dust. No. Rather, they move us towards our ultimate fulfillment. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the gift that I want for all of you and for myself ultimately is to become a saint. What else is there? Praise be Jesus Christ.